Carolina podcast. Diving, diving deep. Diving deep into all things Texas, both on and off the field. Here's Sean Pendergast and Pro Football Hall of Famer, the General, Sean McClain. Welcome, welcome to Utopia. Um, you want to hit a couple mailbag questions here on the way out, my friend? All right, let's do it. Um, uh, we HOU mailbag at gmail.com, HOU mailbag at gmail.com. Jot it down, send us some questions here. We've got a handful of them. Uh, from uh, we got a few regulars, then we got a few more from some folks who are checking in for the first time. Chris in the ATL, a regular. Halloween is the season for dressing up, and you can get some dynamic duo superhero costumes. So, who is the Texans' dynamic duo that deserves the most credit for the improvement shown by this team so far? Chris, you're the best. Who is the du- dynamic duo, John, that deserves the most credit? You ready? D'Amico and Nick, CJ and Bobby, Hal and Hannah. Well, they wouldn't have had, um, oh boy, uh, Callahan got rid of, of uh, Jack Easterby. They yep. let Nick Serio hire the head coach he wanted, draft the quarterback he wanted. So I'm going to say uh, Callahan and McNair. Callahan, okay, I like that because they, yeah, they're, I mean, they're making good decisions. They, they were the decision maker on pretty much, uh, pretty much all these things. I, I'm going to. Uh, I'm going to say, you know what? I'm going to say CJ and Bobby because right now this is a team that I think overall is still not a great roster. I still think the holes on this team are pretty like the whole, the, the, the deficiencies they have are still pretty pronounced deficiencies. I think CJ and by proxy, Bobby Slowick, who's pushing all the buttons. I, I think CJ early on in his career, John has become a quarterback that masks deficiencies on a team especially offensively, like their ability to game plan and score points to actually be a top third of the league offense, which they've been statistically with no semblance of a running game at all is the reason they're three and three right now. So I'm going to say, I'm going to say CJ and Bobby, that'd be my pick right there. And they were two or four in the red zone and they've been pathetic in the red zone. So that's an improvement. Chris also asks a fun question. Do you guys have a favorite Halloween costume that you wore as either a kid or an adult? Do you have one, John? I was always the devil because my mother said I was a little devil. Wait, hold on. You were every year you were the devil when you were a kid. No way. We were so poor we couldn't afford more than one costume. So I had to wear it every year till I wore it out. Okay. What was that? I, I wore it out when I was getting my first kiss. Because something may have happened biologically. Nothing, that, nothing happened. Nothing happened. Okay. I got a kiss, but okay. we we're laying in the dirt in the grass and I and it just kind of kind of came apart. It, it ripped. <laughs> in all the wrong places. In a strategic spot. <laughs> um, my favorite one that I had, John, as a as a mine was as an adult. Um, I went to a Halloween party one year as Aaron Hernandez doing the perp walk out of his house in uh, in Massachusetts where he had, remember he had the, remember he had the, the white t-shirt on, but his arms were tucked inside of it because they were handcuffed and he had the red, the long red gym shorts (laughs) on. And I painted my, my hairline just like his, you know, straight hairline that he had. So I walked around at the party doing the uh, doing it. How many times you have to explain who the heck you were? Yeah, John, it was very. If you look at the calendar, it was a pretty like at the time. I think it was a pretty relevant costume. You know what I mean? Like I think, I think the timing of Aaron Hernandez and that all going down was was close enough to where people knew what it was I was doing because he stayed relevant long after they walked him out of that house. I mean, he, he was did. the big story for a long, long time. So that was too probably, long. 
Yeah, yeah, probably, probably. Well, not so much anymore, unless you go to Chandler Jones's Twitter account, and then Aaron Hernandez is popping back up there. But that's another story for another time. Uh, all right, John, Joe Q, another regular emailer. Um, what are John's sources telling him about the Carolina Panthers? And he kind of summarizes here. He said, you know, they brought in Fitterer, who oversaw the Darnold trade and the big trade with the Bears, and they gave up a lot of draft capital to get Bryce Young. They've lost every game by at least eight points while playing in a mediocre division. And Bryce Young, he says, statistically looks a lot like David Carr back in the day. Um, and uh, he says, he basically ends by saying, why would we not expect a house cleaning in Carolina at the end of the year Is that if this is what holds up, knowing how David Tepper operates? John, do you have people in Carolina you talk to or your thoughts on the Carolina Panthers right now? There's no way they're going to have a house cleaning in Carolina after one season. People think that uh, Frank Reich, he's now turned – he's given the play calling to Thomas Brown, who's never called plays before, first-time coordinator. And Bryce Young has a terrible offensive line. That's not his fault. He's thrown some interceptions, but he just threw two touchdown passes. And everybody thinks he's going to be good because he's really smart, and but he's off to a tough start because he doesn't have – receiver they traded his best receiver and they need draft choices so what uh it's going to be interesting because you know they gave the bears their pick and the bears are going to be able they're going to have to decide on justin fields and and what they want to do with those picks but man they're in trouble and they think that reich's offense is outdated for what bryce young is best for most of the blame's going on him but they just don't have a lot of talent. Texans could win that game over there because they did beat Jacksonville on the road. They could have, should have beaten Atlanta on the road. Well, they can certainly beat Carolina, and this is going to be so much fun to watch Stroud versus Young and think, where will those two be in four years? Yeah, that's that a great tip in. It is a great hypothetical. It is It is fun to be on this side of it. I'll say that. Like, I don't know how much fun it is. That's the truth. Carolina right now. Um all right, John, a few more here in the mailbag, and then we'll get up and out of here. William in Sharpstown, given performance and the fact that he's on the first year of his rookie contract, do the Texans have the best quarterback situation in the National Football League right now? Well, they're going to have about a – they're going to have 80 to $100 million available in all season. Casario will use that to sign – players to extensions, maybe Jonathan Grenard, Nico Collins. Grenard would need new contract because his contract's up, and that would call it be costly. And uh, so I think, yes, of all the young quarterbacks in the league, you think they, they, you know, they're better off in Chicago. Some other teams have young quarterbacks who were first-round picks. It's amazing how many teams still need quarterbacks. Yeah, well, I – John, some of them are teams that have paid quarterbacks. Like Denver needs a quarterback. They paid Russell Wilson $250 million. Arizona needs a quarterback. They paid Kyler Murray. You know, it's it, it's it's a little scary. Um, the Giants paid Daniel Jones, not as much as these other teams paid guys, but they still paid him a lot of money. They're stuck with him for at least another year, assuming his neck works. Um, I You know, the question was, do they have the best QB situation in the National Football League? And I would say, well, of course not. I, you know, Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs, like that's – like Mahomes, Jalen Hurts, guys like that. I, I do think there are some guys, like I do think, you know, like I know Justin Herbert's really super, super, super talented. He's never won anything. You know, like even last night's game against the Cowboys, like he's the least scary 
hyper-talented looking quarterback that I've ever seen. Like even if some of these teams that have decided to go ahead and pay guys, I think would, would be like, oh, okay, wait, okay. Like Baltimore with Lamar Jackson. Like Lamar Jackson is a former MVP. He's a very good football player, but he runs a lot. He's small. He still hasn't really done anything in the postseason yet. One win. Like, yeah. Like if I was Baltimore and like the gods came down and said, Hey, um, you can uh, you, you can swap out Lamar Jackson and his fifty million dollar a year contract for C.J. Stroud, who's making eight million a year for the next four years. What 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 do you say? Like of I think there's a chance. Take Stroud. Yeah, like that's what I mean. Like so, I don't think it's the best in the National Football League, but I do think it's among like I think there's only like three or four quarterbacks who I would say are a better situation. I'm not saying there's only three or four I would say are better than C.J. Stroud. I'm saying when you factor in the price tag. That's what that's what to me is is putting that puts the most pressure on Nick Casario is now we know, OK, you got a quarterback who's a, you got the most coveted asset in all of football, which is a high performing young quarterback who's cheap for at least four years. And so now you got to make it happen like you got to go make it happen. And that's where, man, like you brought it up, John, like that cap space this offseason. Boy, as much as we've been into the draft the last few years and we still will be this year, like that first day of free agency. Texan fans is going to be bananas in March. Two guys going to get big contracts in offseason to a tongue of Iloa and uh, Jared Goff. Jared Goff has played so much better. He was a throw in on the Matthew Stafford trade. Take him a year. Then you're terrible. You draft a quarterback with your first pick and Goff's a backup. And he's been tremendous working with Ben Johnson and uh, two, of course, if he can stay healthy, no telling what kind of money he's going to get because that offense is best in the NFL. That's scary though, man. All those concussions and everything, giving him 50 million a year. I know it's been fine this year, but that's just a, it's like a scary dark cloud just lurking over the whole thing. All right, quickly, John, a couple more. Austin is in Stafford. Weird question. I know for a football podcast, what do you guys think of the ump cam on the Fox broadcast? What do you think of the ump cam, John, the camera on top of the umpire? When, when Yordan hit that home run, I know, um, I think it was two games ago and they had the ump cam on. I thought it was great. It makes you dizzy. They don't do it too much, but I like the vantage point. I don't like it live. Like it, just show me the regular angle live. I think it's cool on replays, like specific replays. I, I agree. Yes. Like, I don't like it live. I don't know what's with these networks. that feel like there's certain angles they need to show us like to empty the chamber. Like, no, like in basketball where they show free throws being shot with a bird's eye cam looking down at the rim, like down into the rim. I'm like, no, just show me as if I'm standing there watching in the arena. Like, I don't need to know what it looks like over the top of the rim. Um, they get a little fancy sometimes with their angles. That's not even a get off your lawn thing. I've talked to younger people who feel the same way. Like this ump camp thing, when it's live, I just, just show me the play. Um, so I'm with you on that. Last one, John, Mark and League City. So what do you guys do on the bye week since you actually get a Sunday to yourselves? John, what are you going to do on the bye week this week? Uh, I'm going to be at, uh, with my wife uh, just outside Annapolis, Maryland, watching games, hopefully watching the Astros. And um, and I'll do, be doing all my talk shows and podcasts and everything up there. And then I'm coming back on Monday. Nice. Okay, so you're getting away for a little bit. I am too. Amy and I are going to – Amy and I go to a different NFL – venue each year during the bye week so we went to green bay two years ago we went to kansas city last year for kansas city and buffalo this year we are going to the atlanta falcons versus the tampa bay buccaneers much to the jealousy and fomo and chagrin of our producer james jackson who is a diehard diehard tampa bay bucks fan so he's super jealous of me um 
but we're going, we're actually going to Disney for a couple days and then we're going to the Bucks game on Sunday. My wife's a big Disney nerd, but to answer the, the, uh, emailers question, um, we, that's what we do. We, we, we take the one Sunday where we're, you and I are not covering NFL football, John, Amy and I take it to go watch more NFL football. And what is Amy's favorite Halloween costume? She well, okay, John, she used to be, uh, you know, she used to bartend in Midtown at Pub Fiction. So there's some like dirty, nasty costumes of Amy floating around on the internet from back in the day. Those are my favorite Amy costumes. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> Doesn't Naughty really matter, librarian. But, no, well, probably a dirty librarian. You know what I mean? Like a librarian looks like a librarian from like here up, but from like here down, she looks like she's ready to go to Heartbreakers down in uh, Dickinson. So yeah, um, she she had a. Uh, you know what? We never got to use this costume. I forget why. She bought a costume to be the Khaleesi one year from Game of Thrones, like Ooh, a blonde wig a and everything one, yeah. else. Yeah, I don't know why. We, for whatever reason, we didn't end up going to a Halloween party that year. Um, but James says he's hopping in my suitcase for the game. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Meet James and Amy. Yeah, James, you got to go to Disney World, too. That's just so you know. You got to do the whole thing. So, yeah, no, but she was supposed to be Khaleesi one year. And uh, I don't know why we didn't go, but she reminds me of it all the time. Like, I still got this Khaleesi costume that uh, is not relevant anymore. I'm like, I know. Why do you need Halloween to dress up in a Khaleesi? I know, I know. I'm just gonna, she's going to come home today. I'm going to have a Game of Thrones music playing. I'll close all the blinds and say, go put your Khaleesi costume on. Let's you go. Can, you can I'll be Bravo. I'll be Jon Snow. <laughs> I'll, yeah. Cal Drago. Cal Drago was nastier than Jon Snow. Yeah. Cal Drago was into some stuff. He was yeah. a real man. <laughs>